Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Everybody, how's it going? Jonathan Johnson, James Bench, LME, of course. We are here for the World Cup draw. We're going to have a lot of guests here today. Hopefully some good ones. One of the heroes of the Canadian national team, Jonathan Osorio, will be joining later to share his thoughts on the Reds group and talk about the team's CONCACAF topping qualifying campaign, Michael Lahoud, as well later on, of course. But there's a lot to discuss in this World Cup draw for Qatar 2022. Kigo Lasso begins right now. All right, let's get going. Jonathan Johnson, how are you, buddy? Are you doing well? Thanks. Just about got over the excitement. And that was just the opening ceremony, the draw itself, uh, you know, kind of muted in comparison. Absolutely. <laughs> James Bench? I'm not talking about the opening ceremony. One, actually, <laughs> happily, the BBC, all credit to them, great broadcaster, didn't show it. So I don't have a clue what we'll be talking about. And oh, it sounds bizarre. Nice. Yeah, that's if, you think nice it's, if you think it's weird what you saw, imagine what the British nation saw on Twitter. This, I've seen this for the first time. This sort of Casper meets... Casper, the friendly world... Yeah, exactly. Meets a stingray or something. Meets also a samurai. (laughs) I'm seeing all this for the first time and I don't really want to talk about it because that that thing just took forever and it was awful. And Jermaine Genus was on it. The worst person... He was pretty good, actually, though. He was good, though, Jermaine. Oh, he's doing the one show these days, isn't he? Yeah, but so is Giles Brandreth, which means we could have had him. (laughs) Um, American listeners, you need to Google who that guy is. Yeah, Yeah. Aston Villa legend, Jermaine Genus. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) Delivering one more time. But hey, welcome, everybody. Lasso World Cup draw. A lot to discuss, but like James Bench said, we're going to discuss the groups. We're not even getting into uh, the intro. By the way... Um, you know, let you know, I'm sure Des Norris, our producer, will show up the groups in a second as we discuss this. First of all, just initial thinking, because you know, the biggest question is like, what's the group of death? There is no group of death, I think. There's a group of involuntary manslaughter, I feel. Each one can uh, can kill each other off by mistake, I feel. Jonathan Johnson, thoughts, just initial thoughts on the groups and uh, and the teams facing each other. Well, I think Japan would probably beg to differ. Uh, and they'll probably feel like they're in a bit of a group of death going up against Spain and Germany. But then again, when you don't know the 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 entirety of the group because they're waiting on that playoff result, uh, you know, I guess they're sort of waiting to you know to to give their judgment then. But that is already looking like a tough task for them. Even if uh, you know Spain and Germany are not the forces that they once were, you never want to come up against the Germans at a World Cup. And Spain obviously have plenty of pedigree as well. So I think Japan will definitely feel like theirs was. Uh, a group of death but otherwise I was really impressed with just how balanced I actually think a lot of these groups are Mm. I really like I mean how can we not talk about group b and I will circle back to group b we will talk we can let's begin in group b James (laughs) Ben let's let's just go right I'm so excited James Ben (laughs) can we be super clear in saying that we know it's going to be Scotland, right? <laughs> Just need it. I, I know the English-Welsh rivalry is great and it really matters to Welsh people and any Welsh listeners to the podcast, hey, you know, nice to hear from you. It's, but a, bit, it's, a, bit, it's a bit Villa Coventry or Villa Warsaw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they're this annoying, scrappy little brother that you're not really cared about. <laughs> Scotland, that's the rival. And the yeah. USA, that's the rival. And of course, you know, USA, Iran as well. And I think... A lot of these groups, and, and Group B is one of them, you do have a clear, overwhelming favourite. This is kind of like Brazil's group as well. And then three teams that I think you could really see it going anyway. Uh, if you're the USA, you're happy. I think you feel like you can beat Iran and you'd be reasonably confident against whichever UEFA team come your way. But, but it's going to be super tough. It will be super dramatic. And um, I think it's the one that has... I mean, the most, it's going to be the most online, isn't it? The takes will be awful, but it will be a lot of fun. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'm already England, reading the takes, yeah. I mean, do, Gareth Southgate was, was asked by the BBC, kind of, you know, this isn't too bad a draw, is it? And you could see him sort of straining to not say 
Yeah, you're probably right because it is the perfect draw for England, really. Yeah, yeah. Jonathan, do, doing this off the top of my head, is Iran-USA the game where Iran won at France 98 with that Mardavikia solo yes. effort? That's right. So historically Excellent. speaking, USA is thinking still about that game. And obviously, even more historically speaking, we're already seeing the Revolutionary War images and memes and stuff. They've already started, everybody. It's already. Of memes, please, please tell me that you saw Robert Greene's tweet when the draw came out. <laughs> no, but I'm going to read it right now. There's more. Just, just it up. the eyes emoji <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah, of course, of course. But you know what? Here's the thing. Uh, let's let's just talk about that because I wanted to obviously get into the groups, especially Group D, because that's an intriguing one as well. I feel like we've seen that movie before. But England, USA. I mean, let, let you know, we got in soccer. We trust. I'm sure they're going to give it their USMNT perspective. There's the tweet. Uh, thank you, Rob Green. Uh, you should have had those open when that. <laughs> listen, England's biggest obstacle in this group is England itself. Like, yeah. the, like England should win this. It, this is a very good team. It's not an accident why they made it to uh, the Euro 2020 finals and just lost on penalties. <laughs> Thank you, the added time podcast. Yes, Rob Green is USA's best World Cup player. But now you have either Jordan Pickford or Aaron Ramsdale who could fight off that number one spot. So, Bench, let's go back to you. England, USA. Let's just focus on that on that matchup for a second. This is not from that Rob Green mistake. This is a different England, a very strong England, a confident England. And a USMNT side that's entering its strongest squad ever, you would say, in the World Cup. So it's an intriguing matchup. How do you see it? Yeah, you're, you're right, uh, Luis, to talk about that this is a different England because that 2010 team wasn't, I think, talent wise, maybe was not that much lower. I mean, if you see, it was Stephen Gerrard that scored for England, Wayne Rooney was at the peak of his powers, but it was a team that was really weighed down by the, the shirt the weight of expectations. It wasn't happy. It wasn't a place that players wanted to go. And you see the polar opposite. Now, this is, you know, it's almost an escape from the tribulations of club football for these players. England, these England players enjoy being together. They rise to the moments, you know. We saw that at the World Cup. We saw that at the Euros. This team is, it, it, it's just, it's not going to beat itself. And that's what happened, uh, well, it'll be 12 years ago. Um, like it will be, it will be okay. Although maybe against the Scotland, the neuroses start emerging. But like you said, you're more worried about that one. If that was to happen, I am. I, I mean, there's a lot of good American players, but you know, Walker Zimmerman and Miles Robinson. Do, can they hold out against Kane, Foden, Saka, Sancho? Um, you know, the, the the two goalkeepers you would expect, Matt Turner and Zach Steffen, will have been warming the bench. And then kind of at the other end. Wow, do you have look what you found there. <laughs> <laughs> who do you have that's really going to test Ramsdale and, and a back three or back four or back five that, that works really well at international level? We talk about Pickford and Maguire, but they play well for England. Kyle Walker is fantastic. If he's fit, he'll go. I think it's going to be fine. And um, I can't wait for Jimmy Conrad to clip that up in a few months' time. <laughs> you got to you know, go you know for an hour, they lose. Go ahead, JJ. You know, you know what? I'm looking, though, at the fixtures, and I think it's actually set up better for England uh, than it is for pretty much anyone else. I mean, Iran won't have wanted to go up against England in the first game. You mean the uh, actual order? We, Run the actual order. Yeah, the, the, order, the order of the fixtures. Uh, I mean, I know that all the, the finer details haven't been ironed out yet, but it's England, Iran, the opener. And if we're assuming it's Scotland, then it'll be USA, Scotland, but obviously it could still be Wales uh, or Ukraine as well. But the fact that England, USA is slated to be the second match in that group you know, that could potentially put, uh, you know, if we're continuing with the Scotland narrative, that could potentially put England in a position where, you know, that rivalry could count double, uh, you know, because it's the final game, especially if England haven't beaten uh, the USA in that second match. So I'm, I'm kind of intrigued uh, as to the way that the fixtures have fallen there. Yeah, USMNT fans uh, would love to know your opinions. I know that some of you are already watching the 2010 highlights to get pumped up. By the way, there's a long way to go as well. Not forgetting that this is November, the end of November. It's not even in the summer, so there's a lot to happen. But that group in itself, as we have all said, I think uh, sets up for England to win it and everybody else to see who could fight for that second. Unless, of course, you know, surprising things happen. But we want your opinions, of course. All right, uh, Group D. There's Norris. Uh, yeah, we've seen this movie before, of course, um, and specifically yours truly. Um, thoughts on Group D, Jonathan Johnson? Back to you again, um, as you say, because, you know, at the beginning of your comments, 
pretty balanced, uh, pretty balanced situation. How do you see that one? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, in many ways you look at it and you're like, okay, France are probably going to face two of three opponents that they came up against in the group stage back in 2018. Uh, obviously, they've been drawn with Denmark already and two of the playoff candidates, Peru and Australia, were also in that group uh, in Russia. But also at the same time, when you look at the chemistry and remember France crashing out in 2002, the last time they were defending champions, it was Denmark. Uh, it was a South American team. It was Uruguay that time. And it was an African team. It was Senegal. This time they have Tunisia. And Tunisia, I mean, although you'd look at them on paper and say, you know, they're by far the weakest team in this group, there will be a lot of needle in that match uh, against France, given that they're very the stingy, JJ. They only conceded mm. two goals in qualifiers. They're stingy as hell. Yeah, but I think when France's attack turns it on, they can pretty much devastate anybody. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, we saw them. We saw them absolutely torch South Africa the other day. But in any case, I think that that rivalry, uh, you know, within the country, you know, that's going to make it a real uh, firecracker of a match. And uh, you know, fingers crossed for for you that it's uh, you know Peru who come out on top in the playoffs. And, I can't uh, believe you know, we've got a real mix in this group. France again, Denmark again, unbelievable. I mean, first we have to face Australia or United Arab Emirates, but I can't believe it's basically the same group as 2018. Having said that, if we do make it, everybody, and we make it to this World Cup in that group, okay, more than half of our team were there in 2018. So I feel a little bit better because of that and the experience. James Bench, chime no, in on that group. What? I, I, I just don't see... I, th I think the thing is Denmark are really good. I, I, for me, it's more plausible that Denmark have a great game, France have an off game, and you kind of end up with them on 9-6. And then um, the other two teams split the rest rather than anything else. I think it's a... It's a tough one for the other two teams in the group because, it is, it is. you know, I mean, and you know, I was obviously very high on Denmark going into Euro 2020 as well. I mean, they're just, yeah. a, they're a team that suit international football. and The renaissance Christ of Christian Eriksen too. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they've got that. And that was the whole kind of point I was making at the time was, you know, they've got good attacking weapons, but, but also they've got Eriksen on set pieces. Well, now they've discovered this other side to themselves at, at Euro 2020. And yep. they'll have Christian Eriksen on set pieces. Yep. So yeah, I, for me, this group is a pretty clear France and Denmark. And I actually, I'd struggle to pick the order, but probably well, thanks, thanks a lot, James Bench. Sorry. Give me some, look, the added time podcast. Yes, added time podcast. Let's go. All right. Well, listen, we did have a call to action. How is England and US finishing? Give us a result, everybody. What do you think? Uh, I think all three of us agree. I think it's an England win. Okay. I'm sorry, USMNT fans. James Bench. England win 4 0 <laughs> at <laughs> half time. <laughs> Jonathan Johnson. You know what? I'd love to share James's enthusiasm. I do think England will win, but what 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 do we qualify a, a US men's national team win as? Because we know that they considered that one or draw a victory the last time. So is is a draw as good as a win for them in this in this scenario? I don't think so. I think I think England will win. I'd say three one. 3-1. All right. Okay. I'm not sure well, where that goal is coming from for USNNT, but uh, <laughs> I've, got, I've got a few months to figure that out. Well, the LeBron James of soccer, of course, Christian Pulisic. I think, uh, all right, well, I want to know everybody's opinion. Uh, how's England USA finishing? I know US-based audience, please listen. And by the way, okay, you want a lot more cheerleading for USA? We got in soccer, we trust. Right there, you've got everything. The pom-poms, the popcorn, everything, all right? And by the way, if England do lose, James Bench has to go there and receive one hour of yelling. Well, I've, I've already committed to to my colleagues and editors that I'm just going pure heel turn the next seven months. I am anti-USA, anti-USMNT, <laughs> rooting for their failure. This is pure, undiluted heel turn from me. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Jonathan Johnson, I know that you got to go soon, so let's just uh, quickly discuss uh, the – well, not the opener, but the host nation, of course – Qatar against the Netherlands. Interesting, obviously, because the Netherlands, uh, Louis van Gaal called the decision to make them the host nation ridiculous and accused FIFA of being motivated by money and commercial interest. This should be an intriguing matchup then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm keen, I'm keen to see how this group uh, shakes out because before we started recording, we were debating uh, Des James and I about you know whether this group favours <clears throat> Qatar or not. I think it could have been worse for them, but I know that given the discussions we've had over the last couple of days, obviously Senegal, continental champions, Ecuador, uh, you know, not to be sniffed at, uh, you know, given the way that they've come through South American qualifying. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, 
I, I think there is a possibility for Qatar to emerge with some sort of credit there, uh, you know, at least on the pitch. Uh, but I also don't see them managing to finish in the top two. Like they, they, you kind of everyone says, oh, they've they've done quite well of late, and there've been good results. I think there was good result against Mexico. They've done credibly against South American opposition. But then when you kind of look back and go, okay, well, and then who have they beaten? It's fairly underwhelming. You know, they've done well in the Arab Cup. They did do well at the Gold Cup as well. But you're not beating the teams that you're going to be facing at the World Cup. You're beating teams that aren't going to qualify for the World Cup. So, yeah, I mean, George Sapero there as well. Ecuador, and I know you've been flying the flag for them, Luis. Just a, a team of young, energetic players. And I think one of the, the things we don't think we get at the World Cup anymore is a team that we don't know a lot about. But I have to say... I only know about the reputation of these Ecuadorian players as young and talented. We haven't seen them in the flesh. And I think that will be the sort of motivating factor that turns them into a really tough team to beat. I get, I would probably put Senegal and, and Netherlands 1-2, probably with the Dutch first. But I, I think Qatar have got a lot to do to even get get a point. Yeah, this is a mountain to climb for them to all the points that both of you have just said. Netherlands, of course, we know the talent that they have. They're going to want to have some redemption after not being in the past World Cup, of course. Listen, Senegal are so good. African champions dethroning Egypt to make it here in the first place. It's not just about Sadio Mane or Edward Mendy. They have a very well-balanced uh, team that can really challenge for things. And to your point, James Benji, I've said it from day one, they're like the you know, Ecuador, are the average age is 24 years old, right? But that can be a real weapon because they don't care about the opponent. They have no fear. And they have beaten some teams in South America, some good teams in South America, like by a lot. They destroyed Colombia, like embarrassed them, okay? They, they have a very good team. Gonzalo Plata, Moises Caicedo, of course, they're a very good team. It's just that you don't know what you'll get in this situation. Will the... Stage. So they're, so they're the Forrest Gump of the World Cup. <laughs> Will the stage be too big for them, right? Uh, I don't think Forrest Gump was ever overwhelmed by the stage, so I'm trying to think of something else. But yes, in that way. So it'll be an intriguing matchup. It'll be tough for the Netherlands, I think, but I think they'll they'll top it, and then that fight for second should be super tasty. I know that Jonathan Johnson has to go, and we'll include Michael LaHood after that. But JJ, final thoughts, buddy? I'm just, uh, you know, really not wanting to wish the time away, but really looking forward to finding out who's going to be completing these groups uh, in the summer. Uh, and then obviously can't wait for the for the action to to actually get underway. All right, Jonathan Johnson, thank you so much. And let's invite Michael LaHood is in the house. Michael, you're in a new background. <laughs> Where are you, buddy? How are you? Oh, the elements of live television, oh, YouTube, of course. He froze, but at least he froze smiling, James Bench. Well, let's keep talking until Michael. Oh, how are you, Michael? He froze like the USMNT. Uh, I'm Oh, man. I, you know, I, I, I couldn't stay away from Kego Lasso this week because I heard Benji was going to be on the show. And just, <laughs> I'm so thrilled to be here. Just because we get to talk World Cup. I'm all about it. I love it. I love it, Michael. The hood will be there in a second. And I know, James Benz, you got to go soon as well. So let's give you the mic, my friend. Any any final thoughts, perhaps, that we haven't discussed? Because we also have a special guest, hopefully, later on. But anything in particular that you wanted to bring up? Yeah, so I'm not going to spoil the special guest or, or go too deep into their group. Instead, I'm really intrigued by Group H because it feels like we've got a clear one-two pick your order again, Portugal, Uruguay. But they also feel like the two two of the sort of big teams, the sort of teams we think of as quarterfinalists, that could also just have a complete shocker. Portugal, we know, made it pretty difficult for themselves to get there. Uruguay as well, until they entered the Luis Suarez zone. Like These teams could, could kind of blow it. Um, so I'm super intrigued by that because Ghana have got a lot of talent that they, they haven't always utilised well. South Korea... More than just young men's on, but also they do have young men's on. So <laughs> yeah, that's a group that that to me is is really interesting. I'm just looking at the fixtures now as well. I I, I don't the issue one of them is going to have is it, if either Portugal or Uruguay wobble in that first game, they then have to play each other in the second, and it could get it could get spicy that one. That's my group of death. 
And by the way, that game was the game in the round of 16 in 2018 where Uruguay beat Portugal. So there's probably a little bit of uh, history there as well. Uh, Musa Okwanga. Just, uh, just one final yeah. thing I want to say on this because, you know, in our BBC coverage, they were going back over yeah. past World Cups and they got to 2010 and, and Suarez. And it was, I think it was the moment a lot of us, he introduced himself to the world by brazenly cheating and denying Ghana a place in the World Cup. So one, what a wonderful bit of narrative that they're against each other. I choose to believe that it's going to end with Suarez deliberately scoring an own goal to send Ghana into the World Cup. It's his hero moment, his shot at redemption. I mean, it's not going to happen. That's blasphemy. (laughs) It's going to happen. That's blasphemy. I think so. But listen, Musa Okwanga said something interesting on Twitter. I totally agree. This is the food group. The best food comes from here. Now, Peru... It's to our group. Obviously, we have the best food, but we're like balanced out by the terribleness of French food. So like that's, you know, so I think this is the this is the food group, everybody. All right. Well, listen, Jonathan Osorio will be joining us uh, in about 20 minutes. So we're just going to chat and please just send us your questions, uh, especially with Michael now here. But James Bench, thank you so much, buddy. I know that it's late for you. Uh, England, a lot to think about, or maybe not. Maybe it's going to be nice and breezy. For the three lines, we will see. But Benji, thank you so much, buddy. Yeah, nice and breezy until we get to that quarterfinal. <laughs> <laughs> all right, James Page, have a good one. That's James Page. Make sure to follow him on Twitter and all his content, of course, on CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. Right then, Michael Lahoud. It's just me and you until our guest comes later. But uh, you know, we can uh, remix it back yes, to sir. you, by the way. And everybody, send me questions. I'm here. Michael Lahoud's here. And by the way, if you're a Canadian fan, Osorio is going to be here in a second as well. His parents are Colombian, by the way. So there's a little bit of a, you know, a mixed uh, mixed emotions at his household. All right, Miguel, how are you? Who's everyone's bet for biggest disappointment? Michael LaHood, let's answer that question. Who is perhaps going to be the biggest disappointment in this World Cup? You know, I, I, I wish James and JJ were on because I was I, England. You're going to say England, aren't you? Definitely. <laughs> You know, my my bet. Yeah, I, I was going to say England. I, I <laughs> No, gosh, it's as I, as I look through the fixture, my, my biggest disappointment, Portugal. Yeah, I, I think I Portugal are going to bottle it this World Cup. The way they back their way in to the World Cup itself, that's not something that gives you confidence. This is a team that is still Bruno Fernandez scored a double, but they're still Cristiano Ronaldo centric. And Ronaldo, he's getting older. And he's not doing it against the big teams like he used to. So I'm picking Portugal. I don't think this draw favors in some of the tricky games they have in their group. Yep, I agree. I think it's Portugal. I said it earlier in HQ. I have, listen, everybody, if you're a Portuguese fan, don't get mad at me. You're a very talented squad. It's not just about Cristiano Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes, Joao Felix, Otavio looks very good, of course. Uh, Bernardo Silva. Mm. This is a very, very, you know, Pepe, very, very good Joao Cancelo. I could go on. Your biggest obstacle in many ways is your manager. With all due respect to Fernando Santos, he's given you so much. But there's a little bit of a conventional wisdom when you enter the World Cup. You won uh, a Euro by default, I feel. You know, the most boring final ever. And I feel that, some, you know, whether you get out of the group is one thing. But once again, I don't think you're going to do enough to win it, even though, you know, historic moment because Ronaldo entering his fifth World Cup, just like Lionel Messi. But I agree. Belgium. I know that some of you said Belgium. I agree. Belgium. I mean, we've seen enough, right? All that talent and you never deliver. So, you know, but keep asking those questions. All right. There's a question about Mexico, I believe. All right. Thoughts on whether Mexico will escape the group. They have a tough draw, I think. Mm. Jack, I totally agree. Michael, thoughts on Mexico. Uh, There's a saying in Spanish called Si Se Puede, and typically it's been Tri Se Puede with El Tri and World Cup, and it ends here. I don't think this version of the Mexican national team are playing well enough to get through a group like this, but Poland hasn't exactly been barn burners when it comes to international competition. They they excite you with the potential of Lewandowski and some of their players playing throughout Europe. So it's really going to come down to those two, but I don't pick this Mexican team to make it out of this group. 
Yeah, I was just asked this question again on HQ about this group. Uh, first of all, let's talk about the leader in this group, the clear favorite as Argentina. They haven't lost a game in 31 matches. They don't rely on Lionel Messi anymore. Uh, yeah. Lionel Scaloni is doing some great stuff with them. So clearly they're the favorites, you know, the Copa America champions. Uh, Poland, to your point, uh, they're more than Robert Lewandowski, but, you know, Robert Lewandowski is clearly the, the star man. So, you know, they're always kind of delivering a very boring kind of way until they get to the knockout stages and then eventually they fall off. Here's the thing about Mexico. I haven't seen, listen, first of all, you know, everybody was freaking out. You know, Mexican fans, oh my God, we're going to be terrible, whatever. Well, you ended at the same points as Canada in the qualifiers. Uh, you ended above the USMNT uh, in that situation. So it's not like everything is doom and gloom. My I issue is Who's going to fix your problems up top when Raul Jimenez yeah. can't deliver? Can you bring back Chicharito? Can you persuade Carlos Vela to come back? Is Tata Martino going to be convinced that he wants to return? Because it's a long way away yeah. from now yeah. until November, and the Mexican media is real a real monster. So I want to see that. And also defensively, I worry. How are you going to stop Robert Lewandowski? How are you going to stop the threat of Argentina? Saudi Arabia... I'll be very honest. Obviously, I haven't seen enough of them, but, you know, being the fact that they're not traveling too far away, is that going to help them? You know, is that a situation? It's a tough group for Mexico. I have faith in you, but a lot needs to be done to be rectified. I think, uh, how is Mexico number nine? Well, you know, it is what it is, <laughs> Yankee Mojo. Um, any more questions, everybody? We keep throwing them in, Jonathan. Sorry. By the way, Michael LaHood, um, any other thoughts? Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about your favorites, because I haven't heard your power rankings in a while. Who, after you've seen the group, who mm. would you say is now? Listen, this is a team. I know, I know. Mine, I've said it a million times. Brazil, England, France. What do you think? Who's your Who's your favorites to win this whole thing? Oh, I mean, you, you can't bet against the defending champions in in France. First and foremost, I think they are the favorite still. Mm. Just too much attacking power, too much stability. So many returning players coming back to defend that crown in Qatar 2022. Brazil, they are, they, 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 they're more than just Neymar. I think there's so much pressure and focus put on them. I like some of the players they have. And I know you said you, you didn't like this Belgian team, but, oh, man, I'm a I big, mean, it's not so much that I didn't like them, Michael. It's more that, like, they just keep disappointing us. They get to a certain point, they get to the quarterfinals, and then they don't deliver. This is it, surely. This is yes. it. Belgium, you better make it happen right now because Kevin <laughs> De Bruyne is not getting any younger. Eden Hazard is mm. like, you know, you know, scotch taped up. Like, you need to figure it out, like, right now. And when I look at this uh, group, I mean, Canada, very disrespected to be in pot four, I think. Morocco, yeah. very, very stingy. And Croatia, the World Cup finalist in 2018. I, I think, but I, I still like this Belgium team. Mm. I still like yeah. them. They, they are in this pot without... Arguably, what who used to be their best player, Aiden Hazard, at the mm. last World Cup, he's still eating cheeseburgers and trying to and trying to get on the treadmill to get ready for Qatar. Like waffles, he, surely. Yeah, oh, oh, that's that's actually even better. Do they make they make Belgian waffles in Madrid? No. Yeah, I know. I'm uh, being such a stereotype, <laughs> but uh, you never know. Whatever. <laughs> no, but but they're 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 still so dangerous without yeah. one of their best players still. In, in the most nightmarish form of his career in Madrid, injury woes. If they can get him healthy and motivated, and, and him playing for the national team has been a bit of respite for him in, in previous matches and qualifying. We saw a bit of glimpses before the Euros, and he's going to be a big X factor for them. I think now that Lukaku, he's going to be desperate to make an impact, and he's going to be highly motivated. So they have two players who were major factors of the last World Cup, who are going to be highly motivated. There's something about this Belgian team, but a team that I didn't hear in that group, Spain, mm. the Spanish. Mm. If they can get something out of Alvaro Morata, who is playing very well for Juventus right now, one of the most informed strikers in Syria, if you can get him to take that form that he seems to be carrying towards the end of the season, if you can pick that back up for the national team, then Spain, they could be one of the teams no one expects to make a run. Yeah, and then you have uh, Pino on one side and Dani Olmo on the other one, Ferran yeah. Torres, when things aren't clicking. Spain will be intriguing. And that could be a group of death with Germany, of course, uh, renovated by Hansi Flick. Jack, good question. Lukaku, is he going to be informed? Listen, this is something that I keep thinking about. You know, 
It's one thing to be talking about this World Cup, Michael, if it was in the summer, if it started in mm. June. This is not yeah. till November. November. And in COVID times, it might as well be 10 years from now. There's a long <laughs> way to go until the World Cup and a yeah. new season, a new domestic season until then. So I think Romelu Lukaku has been, by overall means, a disappointment for Chelsea so far. I think injuries have been an issue, whatever. So hopefully a renovated season will help that. But it's important to remember that it's a long way for the World Cup. And that's not the end of November, by the way. I'm not even thinking the beginning of it. So there's a long way to go. So Belgium, they open up in their group with Canada. And if game. you, it's, it's a tough game. But it's it's a, it's a brand new season that Romelu Lukaku will be entering into. Great opponent who are making, was it their second ever World Cup appearance? First since 1986. Canada's going to be nervous. They they are there. It's going to be a whole new ball game for them. It's one thing to do it in Concacaf, and I love this Canadian team. I think they're going to surprise a bunch of people. But if you're Belgium and if you're Lukaku, this is a great game for you to dust off the cobwebs and make a statement. Make I a can't... statement not just to the national team, but to the entire world and the naysayers. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait, by the way, to have Jonathan Osorio come in the show later on and talk to us about what he thinks of this group, Belgium, Morocco, and Croatia, uh, the Canadian international who's played uh, more than 50 games for Canada, obviously Toronto, uh, been there since 2013 as well. So we'll have him after the break. In fact, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the African teams, Michael LaHood, and how much of a chance do they have. Kigo Lasso, World Cup Live draw reaction. We'll be right back. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I'm a I am playing whatever role I got to play. I'm going to play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back, everybody. World Cup uh, draw live reaction. Kigo Lasso, LME, Michael LaHood will have special guest, Canadian international Jonathan Osorio with Colombian parents, by the way. So I want to ask what the household is after Colombia failed to make it to the World Cup. By the way, let's keep throwing these questions, everybody. Um, I have Brazil as my favorite to win this whole thing. 45 mm. points in World Cup qualifiers. They are undefeated so far. That's a record along with Argentina. Coach Chiche entering his final campaign as well. They don't rely on Neymar anymore. In fact, he could be on the bench at this point with Anthony on one side, Rafinha on the other, Coutinho doing his thing, Firmino, etc., etc. I have Brazil. Who do you have as your favorite to win this whole thing? Throw it in the comments section. You mentioned Belgium. You mentioned Spain. Michael, let's talk about the African teams. Obviously, mm -hmm. recently we've talked about them with qualifiers. Um, all right, looking at these groups, right, and thinking about their journey in these groups in the World Cup, who do you have as your favorite African team to go the furthest. Oh, before I saw Group A, I, I had Senegal, and I'm still confident in the Senegalese team, but that's a tricky group. The Netherlands, you know, that's going to be a difficult game because they're the Dutch, and the Dutch always, you know, it's total football. Mm. It's a different version of total football with them, but that, that matchup with Ecuador, Ecuador is a team, you said it before. With South American qualifiers, nobody wants to see them on the schedule right now. They are high flying and they make it difficult for you for 90 minutes. Cameroon, oh, I, 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 that was my second team to pick to make it through. They have a very difficult group. Brazil, I don't think they're going to they're, they're going to be able to, to withstand what Brazil, the power that they pack and punch. 
So I'm, I really don't feel as confident with this Cameroonian team as I once did. Morocco, I don't know. It, 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 my, it's between Senegal and Morocco, but overall, I would say Senegal. Senegal just has too much quality. And yes, it's going to be a tricky matchup with Ecuador, but I think they have the quality to withstand the threat that Ecuador, Ecuador boasts. And they have the quality to go toe-to-toe with the Netherlands. Yeah, no, good point. By the way, Senegal and Ecuador are very similar in strategy, so it's going to be really interesting to see how they do. We're getting a few comments about Brazil. A few people think Brazil. They agree with me. By the way, Brazil do very well when the World Cup is not in Europe, uh, but they haven't won the World Cup in a <laughs> while. Uh, so, you know, take that with what you will. Let's throw another question here, by the way. Des Norris, I'm sorry to do this to you. Maybe you can throw those groups Again, when you look at these groups and you look at the countries and stuff, if you were to say, you know what, we're talking about the favorites, we're talking about the overvalued, the undervalued. Is there a team, Michael LaHood here? Is there a team, Group A, look at it, all the way through Group H, very well balanced. I've called it before. There's no group of deaths, everybody. It's the groups of involuntary manslaughter. Anybody can just kill each other by mistake. Is there a group, is there a team here that we're not talking about enough? Because there's always that surprise package. Yeah. Who could it be? Oh, Denmark. So Denmark are such an interesting group. They were a group that really were forged together by tragedy. tragedy. And mm-hmm. very fortunately, Christian Eriksen, who I'm talking about, horrific scenes at the European Championship to see him collapse and grateful to see him healthy and playing again. And he recently, I think he contributed to a goal and coming back to the national team in the most recent game. So there's a feel-good factor about this team, but this is a team that has a sense of togetherness that I like very much. And outside of Ericsson, there's not too many mega stars. So they're they're a team that has the sense of nationalism, the sense of pride, and they have consistency. It's it's a group of players that have grown up playing together and now – so many of these guys are elevating their, their their day-to-day playing standards to bigger clubs throughout Europe. I think of Paulson, who plays for RB Leipzig. They're players now who are getting Champions League football. You wouldn't notice them, per se, in their respective clubs. But when they come together with the national team, they're really difficult to play against. They, they typically show up in a back three, and they're, they're hard to break down, and they're lethal on the counter. Yeah, I hope you're wrong, because if Peru beat Australia (laughs) or United Arab Emirates, we'll be back again in that same group, the same 2018 group that Denmark was in. But Denmark is a very good point, a very good team, professional, the renaissance of Christian Eriksen, of course, uh, media center man. France are my favorite. Dark horses are Senegal. Good choices. France, can't discount them. Defending champions, their under-21 team could probably be in a pot three group. Uh, I don't think we've talked enough uh and i know that we have by the way we have in soccer we trust we'll talk about the u.s a lot mm-hmm. but thoughts on the usmnt uh in in this group obviously england on paper is is the team to be they should be the ones to win we still have to wait out of the european winners out of wales scotland or ukraine uh so we have to wait for that and don't discounting anybody else in there iran of course but thoughts on the usmnt in this group if you're a U.S. men's national team fan. After this show, and don't press pause, don't do anything. After this show, go to your local grocery store and buy the biggest bottle of champagne you can <laughs> and pop it. This is how then. excited. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Ecstatic about this group. I think for a couple reasons. One, it's a group that you should be competitive in. You're not facing the Spains. You're not facing some of the groups that, or some of the teams. You're not facing Argentina. You're not facing France. You're facing England, who is a good team. There's a team that are World Cup semifinalists, European finalists, and yet you don't play them until your second game. Yeah, so that's your key. first game, you, that, that is massive. It's your first game. You get a chance to build confidence with a young team, young group, that I think DeAndre Yedlin is the only player who has World Cup experience in this group. So very young group. There's going to be eye-opening awe and awe. And there are a lot of players who play at the biggest stages and biggest teams in Europe, which is a good thing. They're they're not going to be wowed by 60,000 people sitting in the crowd, but it is the World Cup, and it makes or breaks young players. And I, I think this is a tournament that could make this group. 
in qualification, they're a team that there's so much pressure and the ghost of 2028. That's what these players have, or 2018, I should say. I wish it was 2028 with the U.S. Or, uh, coming off the World Cup uh, podium with the gold medal, uh, <laughs> first World <laughs> Cup ever in 2026. But in 2018, they didn't qualify. And they've been these players have been carrying the weight of not qualifying from the previous generation, the previous cycle. And that is a big mental just cloud that, carry, that follows you into each game. And they survived that. And not only survived that, they did well to get in. And they backed away in a bit, but the job was pretty much done after that Panama game. And now it's a new slate, and I'm, I'm excited for this group and for this team for this group. Yeah. The only thing that worries me about the USMNT, and you're spot on, I think you should be happy if you're a USMNT fan. The only thing that worries me is that sometimes in CONCACAF, I saw them be too eager, right? They were just mm -hmm. too eager to get the job done, and, and most of the time it worked, and partly because of the competition that they had in CONCACAF. So I want to make sure, from a Greg Berhalter perspective, that they're very smart with their friendlies leading up to the World Cup because I think it should be yeah. almost every team should be European, maybe an Asian-centric one, of course, uh, as they face uh, Iran. But I think that they need to be careful because that youth that you talk about, that lack of experience on the big stage that you talk about, can you know, it depends. It can go one way or another. You can be too eager and, and, and therefore, you know, maybe give away too much. And then somebody like England will definitely punish you and then see what happens. All right, Jack, with USA, people don't seem to be recognizing we never had our best 11 together for any game. Rainman was most out of qualifying. McKenney missed a lot as well. Correct. McKenney, we don't even know. I don't think he's going to be fit enough for that point. It's a, it's a good point, Jack. Uh, but to that point also, the U.S. haven't really been tested outside of CONCACAF. So it's important to have these friendlies. Argentina in the summer, I'm hearing, uh, should be a good one, of course. But yeah, that's definitely that's definitely one. Apparently, Western McKinney should be okay by November. It's more about getting those, you know, um, those legs ready for for for, yeah. for the occasion. I think uh, Michael Hood. All right, so you see USMNT getting out of this, correct? Out of that group. Yes, yes, I I, I do. I think this is going to be a, a tournament that's perfect for them, and it's a tournament of just growth, where each game you take a step forward at a time. This is a this is a, a team that. Your first game, you have to get a win. I think it yeah, takes you gotta the pressure win in that off. game. You have to win. That, that, yeah, you have to win. With the, it takes it takes the pressure off that England game, where where now could you surprise them? Could you get a draw? Where it, it doesn't put the emphasis on oh boy, we have to go and beat the three lions. Yeah. If the and narrative is like, if the narrative is, if the narrative is, oh, I'm entering England in the second game. I, I feel good. I feel relaxed. Uh, then you need to win the first one. Because that yeah. kind of sets the precedent for everything. Actually, it's a good uh, it's a good uh, example. Is Peru in 2018? You know, we were looking good against Denmark. Then Denmark takes one over us and wins. And then, oh, great! Now we have to face France. And yeah. even though we gave it our all, it was a little too much. It's a similar situation in this case. Everybody, uh, Des Norris, I'll do it to you again. I'm sorry. Throw me those groups because let's play a fun game. All right? I'm going to ask you the question, Michael. Who? Don't give me any reasons why. Just tell me who gets out of those okay. groups, the top two in those groups. Don't just tell me the teams. I'm going to say group A, you give me a name, whatever. And everybody watching, send them to me as well. Just write them down. Your top two teams in, in, in each group. Are you ready, Michael Lahoud? Just give me the teams, Born okay? Ready. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Yes, sir. Group A. So group Senegal, Netherlands. Group B. England, USA. Group C. Argentina, Poland. Ooh, group D. Ah, France, Denmark. Oh, I hate you, Michael. Group E. <laughs> Espana, Germany. Group F. Belgium, Morocco. Ooh, group G. <laughs> Brazil, Switzerland. Group H. Uruguay and Korea. Wow. <laughs> keep, keep it there, Des Norris. Keep it there. Keep it there. Because I want I want um I want Michael to ask me. I'm not even gonna think. I'm just gonna say okay. them. It's gonna be like this Freudian thing. I'm just gonna say them. All right. Are you ready? Okay, yeah. so give a count of three to one and then we'll go group by group. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Three, two, one. Group Netherlands. H. Oh, hey, oh, you're going back backwards. You. Okay, yeah, I like backwards. it. I like it. All right. Okay, fine. Okay. Oh, Portugal, Uruguay. Ooh. 
Group G. Brazil, Cameroon. Oh, Group F. Belgium, Canada. Oh, I like it. Get your maple syrup out. <laughs> group E. Spain, Germany. Okay, solid. Group. Is that, oh, I guess D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we're getting ready because of Kegel Lasso. Yeah. France, Peru. <laughs> oh, it's keeping it at home. Okay, Group C. Oh, Oh, Argentina, Mexico. I'm doing this for you, L3. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Group B. England, USA, because oh, okay. I want to keep my job if I don't okay. say USA. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And Group A. This is the hardest one to me. Uh, Senegal, Netherlands. Oh, so Senegal topping. Yeah. I think, I think Senegal are coming out of this and they're going, you know what? We're going to bring this party from Africa all the way to Qatar. I think, um, I think. I think I love you, Ecuador, but this might just be you, you got to gamble with Ecuador. You're either all in on them yeah. or you're like nothing. When you're all in, they'll beat Colombia 6 nothing. When they falter, they do lose <laughs> some games like against Paraguay. That was really uh, with you. Absolutely out of time, podcast. Contigo, Peru. Arriba, Peru. Hey, by the way, I don't think Qatar realizes if Peru makes it to the World Cup, Michael Lahoud, they better like be ready for the Peruvian fans. <laughs> Because we're going to be, you know, bringing our uh, yeah. Cristals and Cusqueña Cervezas in our backpacks and uh, <laughs> our shopping carts. I don't think they're ready for, for the Peruvian energy. Mm, they, well, I, I really hope one of my favorite dishes is Lomo Saltado. There you go. And I really I hope that they, they just pack all the restaurants with Lomo Saltado. That has to be on the menu in Qatar. No, so I'm not oh, happy. I'm not here for it. I mean, I, and I think I think that's something that needs to happen at the World Cup a little more. Something that we celebrate a lot. Obviously, it's the main factor of celebration. It's all these countries coming together and playing the World Cup, women's and men's, obviously, right? And just celebrating each other's cultures. Let's see like more of our food, like in these tournaments. I want to see some more food festivals. I want to see. Yeah, I think that would like give it a much bigger sense of energy. It's something that we don't see enough of. And if Peru does that, I mean, we win. I'm telling you that right now. There's no better food than Peruvian <laughs> food, everybody. Okay? All right, everybody. Uh, well, Jonathan Osorio, <laughs> Jonathan Osorio is coming, is, is getting closer. But please send us your questions uh, for Michael LaHood, for LME, James Ben, Jonathan Johnson, anything that you want to ask us regarding the World Cup. We had it today. We already know the groups are not until November. Here's one for you. Who do you want to see the USMNT face in friendlies leading up to the World Cup? Because mm. Argentina is one of them, Man. I think. Yeah. Okay, if you have Argentina, I agree with you. You have to have a European team. I, I, I don't know why Switzerland comes to mind. Yeah, no, a very I stingy think, I think, Swiss defense. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's a team that will test you. It, it'll you have to break them down. Their organization, their organization is quite good, and they're a team that can hit you on the counter. They can score on set pieces. It's more going to be a tactical battle that's similar to what they might face against England. England has more athleticism. For the United States, typically in American soccer, you've heard the word athletic, character, fighters, and now you have a group that are trying to play the game and, and really have caught up to quite mm. a bit of the rest of the world in terms of tactical and periodization and all these different terms you hear in the modern game, they're doing it. And now they have, they get a chance to do it on the world stage. And I just think a team like a Switzerland, a team that doesn't boast a mega star just yet that, that, that is going to make the game all about that star. I think that's going to be a really good matchup for him. Yeah, it's a good it's a good point. Uh, I, I'm going to go with uh, whoever doesn't make it out of that European playoff spot, USMNT needs to play them leading up to the World Cup. I think they should face Norway. You know, I think they should just give a, a team that has a lot of talent that's not here, Erling Haaland, of course, uh, Odegaard, etc. They need to face teams like that. And, you know, because obviously England have Harry Kane, Norway can offer that kind of uh, prowess with Erling Haaland, of course. Um, all right, so let's talk about how this is actually, Michael LaHood, the final World Cup with 32 teams. I feel a little mm. nostalgic about it. I was talking to Jaime Macias about it because after this, 2026, obviously, 
expands itself to 48. This is uh, it's kind of a, a sad occasion. What, what do you say about that? It, it is. And I actually don't feel sad about it because of you're one happy. Oh, yeah, we get to see more, right? I, I'm happy about it because of my African teams. <laughs> and I really go. hope that FIFA uses this opportunity to give some, to sprinkle some love to the African continent, because I would love to see, look at the teams that aren't here. Nigeria, Saratosan. Yeah. I know Egypt. we're still mourning. Egypt. There's some really big international stars to, to see the Mohamed Salahs get an opportunity to be at the world cup again in four years time, I really hope that this opens the door for more African teams and African talent and also European players who have dual citizenship. Yeah. It puts more onus on them to, Hey, if you can't make it for England, there's plenty of African teams. that will take you. And yeah. I'm, and selfish, selfishly. Oh, there's so many Sierra Leoneans in England. So many Sierra <laughs> Leoneans in England oh, to be able to see my Leon stars. Grace yeah. the field. And to, yeah. to be able to oh, to be able to do that in the United States, in Canada, in Mexico, oh my gosh, I'd, yeah. I'd, I would go anywhere to watch any African teams. Yeah, and our producer Des Norris, who's Irish, is uh, nodding aggressively. Help <laughs> Ireland get to the World Cup. Well, we are very happy and excited to welcome in somebody who will be there at the World Cup. Unbelievable stuff, uh, Jonathan Osorio. Hello. ¿Cómo estás, campeón? Bien, gracias y usted. Todo bien, todo bien. Esto lo vamos a hacer en inglés, Jonathan, but welcome to Que Golazo, Jonathan Osorio, Canadian International, Toronto FC. How are you, my friend? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for, for having me, guys. Jonathan, uh, LME, Luis Miguel Echegaray here with Michael LaHood. It's a pleasure to have you. First of all, Jonathan Osorio, congratulations, felicidades, Canada, I'm telling you, what a team led CONCACAF, uh, won the group, and now you know your group, Jonathan Osorio. So how do you feel about it, first of all? Yeah, I think the the, the first thing that goes through your mind is, whoa, because it's, it's a tough group. Uh, but uh, when you let it sink in, you know, you just, you feel blessed that, that this is even possible, that you're going against the best in the world. And and what, what more could you ask for when you're at a World Cup? So, mm -hmm. um, no, yeah, we, we know we have a tough group, but we, we are excited because we get to we get to um, prove ourselves against the best and really see where we stand. And, and I think mm -hmm. as a footballer, as a as a competitor, as an athlete, you want to see you want to be the best. You want to play against the best. And we have that opportunity in this group. Jonathan, I, I got to watch that match and everyone around the world got to watch that match where you guys sealed the deal and qualified. And I think it was Toussaint Ricketts was saying that he put, I think, five loonies on the fact that you were going to be the one to bang the drum. And surely enough, you were. What was that moment like for you to be able to qualify with the Canadian national team in your hometown? Oh, it's, uh, I mean... To say a dream come true is even crazy to say because uh, when you're a Canadian kid, you, it's you're not even you don't even have the chance to really dream of things like that. It's tough, and it, it seems so something that just can ever exist. Exist, but the fact that it happened is is an incredible feeling, a blessing. You know, I've been truly blessed to play my whole career in my hometown. Uh, to have had really great nights and, and really great days at, at, at BMO Field. And to drum, to, to do the drum, bang the drum in front of my hometown in the middle of the pitch for qualifying for the World Cup of my country is, is a moment that I'll take for the rest of my life. Uh, it'll take with me for the rest of my life, really. It's a dream, a dream come true. And um, yeah, that, that honestly, I... I I don't have much words for it because it's just such an incredible feeling. Yeah, you don't need to, Jonathan Osorio. It was an amazing thing to see just this specific moment and how the entire nation, not just obviously Toronto, feeling the love, etc. Now, you listen, we've talked very high of Canada throughout the campaign. Uh, 
talent everywhere, effort everywhere. Can you just tell me, because it's all collected by John Herman. I, I just I'm such a big fan of, of this man who has done it both on the women's side and now on, on the men's side. How influential has he been? How is he as a man? Because we're not there in the dressing room. I don't know what he's saying to you. How is he as a manager? Oh, he's he's amazing. He's amazing. There's nobody can say a bad word about this guy. It's impossible. How could you? It's um, to see what he has accomplished, to see what he has gone had to gone to see what he has ha- had to gone go through is incredible because um, he had to start from the bottom. In fact, I don't want to say from the bottom, but he had to start from he he had a different journey than most managers, and um, you know his, his way into football was through uh, you know he saw a vision of of going through women's football, and and he brought Canada to the top there or started to bring Canada to the top there and, and yeah. put in a foundation so that uh, they could at one point win, you know, an Olympic gold medal and then to switch over to the men's and with all the, you know, nobody expected him to do what he has done and, 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 you know, and, and to see that he has believed in himself and believed in, in us and instilled a belief and a culture in us that this program has never, seen before is is a testament to to the manager that he is he's a great manager i feel now finally he is getting the credit that he he has deserved for a long time and and it's all due it's 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 overdue really it's overdue and um i have nothing but great words to say about john herdman as a as a manager and even more so as a as a person great stuff there jonathan i know michael's gonna ask one in a second but we this is a live event right now so we got a lot of fans uh, watching and listening and, and brandon had a question for you specifically uh who are you most worried about uh from belgium just if you're facing that belgian national team are you are you pointing at somebody specifically jonathan sorry i will for, for me I, I think as a team we got a lot of we got a lot of guys that we have to pay attention to on that team but um if you ask me personally being a midfielder the one the one and only, you know, that we're going to have to really pay attention to is Mr. Kevin De Bruyne. Of course, this is arguably the best midfielder in the world, um, playing at one of the best teams in the world. Um, so, yeah, he is there. He is their top guy, I feel, and he is the guy that gets them ticking. So we have our hands full in the, in the midfield, not only with him. Um, you know, they have a great midfield, but he is the 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 main man for them, in my opinion. Well, one of the things I remember is a former player is going to Toronto, AKA the six and seeing how much of a soccer city and soccer town that, that really is, and, and is becoming with moments like this as a Canadian national team player has your visibility, especially being from Toronto, are people stopping you in the street asking <laughs> for what, what has that been like? Cause that, that is monumental. Yeah, no, it's 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 grown over the years. Each year, it's more and more. Really, um, I, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you and say that it's like walking in Milan and you you can't walk anywhere. No, no, no. People here, I think, are are we're very respectful and uh, 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 you know people's business and stuff like that. And and but yes, I am getting recognized more and more, and that's because of the growth of the sport in the city. And now with qualifying for Canada, the amount of messages i'm getting and recognition is 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 incredible it's incredible it's really a dream and you know i I love it it just what it means is that the sport is growing here and it's growing rapidly and and uh, i don't see it dying down at any point i really don't i i think it this is a a change the change in the history of of football in this country and in the city especially um it's it's incredible. So, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, for me, I, I just with everything, with all the recognition is amazing. But I, I I am focusing on being humble and keep working hard and knowing where where I came from, because it, at the end of all that, that that's what's most important is that me as an example for for kids that, that now are dreaming so, so big and bigger than I've ever dreamed is to be that example for them. And so that's what I'm focused on.
Yeah, 100%. It's not dying down. It's the complete opposite. It's going to keep going and growing and growing. And that's a great thing to say. You mentioned, Jonathan, obviously, where you come from. Uh, you know, I'm Peruvian and I have to bring this up. Surely there's mixed emotions in the Osorio household con los cafeteros. Was there a little bit of disappointment there with Colombia not making the World Cup? Yes, of course. You know, as Colombians, we wanted, we always want Colombia to do well. And and I still support the La Selección Colombiana. Um, you know, I think it was very unlucky, the, their campaign. You know, they actually, uh, they lost the second least. They had the second least uh, amount of losses in the campaign. Mm. But I think just a few games, they couldn't get the, the three points instead of the one. And and in the end, that was the difference. But um yeah, it sucks that, you know, we, we, it would have been nice to see Colombia in the World Cup and and even a dream would have been to get drawn in the same group of them, as them. But, you know. Oh, my it, God, it, Jonathan, how would that would have been in the house? Who would have, like, surely the, the parents would have gone more for Colombia, no? Nah, <laughs> mom nah, mom, mom would have gone for Canada, pops for <laughs> Colombia deep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that would have been that would have been incredible. That would have been an incredible <laughs> uh, dilemma to have had. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it will not happen. But maybe for good. Maybe for good. Now everybody can, everybody can just focus on Canada and and you know I will do my best. You know, if if people in Colombia want to support Canada now because of my roots, that that also is an incredible, incredible uh, feeling. Absolutely. We got another one from a from a viewer here. Uh, we're here with Jonathan Osorio, Canadian National Team Toronto FC. Nearly done with you. Don't worry, compa. Uh, the Added Time Podcast. Jonathan, which is better, Tim Hortons or, or Arepas con Queso? Now, be smart here, Jonathan, because you know the right answer, Jonathan Osorio. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. This is an amazing question. Um <laughs> And a hard answer. I, I, it's hard to pick. Uh, there's two different. There are two different kind of things. I think, but uh, uh, depends. I think it depends on the situation. I honestly, I, I can't pick because arepas con queso for me is is. is Come on my, now. It's my guilty pleasure. Jonathan, maybe. Jonathan, maybe it's arepas con queso at Tim Hortons. Maybe that. Oh. <laughs> no, there we go. Narepa con queso with a with a nice coffee from Tim Hortons would be would be perfect. <laughs> the perfect That's perfect. awesome. <laughs> Go ahead, Michael. I know that you have one more for Jonathan. Yeah, Jonathan, just something that you said about John Herdman. You said uh, the phrase "start from the bottom," and I'm going to finish it. Now we're here, and you know who I'm referring to, Drizzy. <laughs> yes, sir. On your on <laughs> on your playlist. What is your go-to Drizzy song? Because I, I know the TFC players got to have one. But what was your what was your go-to Drizzy song ahead of that match to qualify? I just got to know. Honestly, it's crazy. Um, I'm glad that you asked this question because the one question, the one song that I kept listening to was called, uh, it was a, a way back, a way back, one of Drizzy's old, old songs um, when he was coming up. I think it was on, I think it was on comeback season. Uh, it's called Closer to My Dreams. And uh, yep, it's, I, yep. it just resonated with me during this time. And so I listened to it before every game, Closer to My Dreams. And that's really good, what got me going. So anybody who do doesn't know that song, give it a listen and you'll understand what I, what I mean. Surely you had some... Uh some J Balvin in there too, or some, uh, or some reggaeton as well, Jonathan. I'm sorry. There's, oh, there's no way. Of course. How can I not? How can I not? Especially before a game. Like, I got to get the, all that, all that. Some in, money in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, Luis went to a Bad Bunny concert, didn't you? Yeah. That well, of course, he's my he's my king, man. He's everybody's yeah. king in, in Latin America, absolutely. But Jonathan Osorio, we want to finish it with you by just congratulating you. Honestly, CBS Sports is a U.S. based uh, podcast, but you know I have no dog in this fight. Every time I saw Concacaf qualifiers, all I wanted to do was root for Canada. Same colors as Peru as well, by the way. So I was just like, <laughs> you got to root for Canada. But honestly, it's an amazing thing to see Canada at the World Cup, and I hope you get to face against Kevin De Bruyne and maybe not make him and, and do some stuff, but like, it's, it's going to be great. Muchas gracias, Pa. We thank you so much for being here. Thank you, guys. Uh, a pleasure to, to come on. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Jonathan. That was Jonathan Osorio from Toronto FC, the Canadian national team. Make sure to watch him 
at the World Cup. Amazing, uh, Michael Lahoud. And some great questions, everybody, for for uh, J.O. Uh, really, really good stuff. But Michael, what a guy. Huh? I mean, you could see the passion that he has, uh, you know, as he heads to a World Cup. Yeah, humility is what comes to mind. Mm. He's such a humble guy to be, be to experience a moment like that. And I know he's gearing up for club football going to match this weekend, but to just respond so humbly. I, I know I've had a bunch of teammates who would probably be playing Drizzy while being on air with us, <laughs> answering yeah. questions. But humility, that is something he embodies. That's something this Canadian national team embodies. And that's what differentiated him from the other teams, I think is that togetherness and humility that they had from game one. And this is a Canadian team that literally started from the bottom of qualification <laughs> to get here. So Drizzy, shout out to you. Get on their level, put out a track for the Canadian national team. That That's my call to action from this show. That, that would be actually kind of amazing. Uh, I love that idea. But uh, Michael LaHood, always a pleasure to have you. Jonathan Osorio, of course, uh, James Bench. Jonathan Johnson. This has been Kego Lasso, our live World Cup draw. Don't forget, by the way, that you can watch this on youtube.com forward slash Kego Lasso as well as our other videos. Uh, we're on podcasts anywhere you listen to them as well. Plenty of content. We've got so much more to come, including a preview coming with Juventus against Inter. We'll have weekend recap and then domestic action obviously takes over. And Champions League, Michael Ahud, next week as well. This stuff never stops, man. That's why we need you to take your rest, take your break. But Michael, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having me on. Love international soccer. Now back to the club stuff. This stuff never stops. Thank you, everybody. Make sure that you take care of yourselves as well. Have a great weekend and we will see you on Sunday live for a weekend recap and everything else. Till then. VIP Pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We're in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.